The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's your host, Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery on Unity FM Online Radio. My name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, and I'm your host. Here on Spirit of Recovery, we talk about how spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth and your recovery journey. And today's show is an interactive discussion, so if you're listening live, you can call in with your comments and questions in the second half of the show. The number is 816-251-3555, and I'll give that number to you again if you want to jot it down, 816-251-3555. So today's show brings an awareness to a growing movement to celebrate those in the creative arts that have made the decision to live a life that is happy, joyous, and free of addictive substances. You may not realize that artists and musicians typically have an elevated exposure to addictive substances while on the job. Not only do the entertainment venues almost always serve booze, anyone that's in recovery and has been there can tell you that there's usually the availability of other substances as well. So the question comes up, as a recovering person, do you have to change your your, um, profession? Can you imagine going to your workplace in the same setting that you used to party? So today, our guest is Betty Dickin. Betty has been the outreach outreach and professional continuing education coordinator at the Meadows, an addiction treatment facility, for years. She's recently retired from that and is now on this new nonprofit venture supporting artists and musicians in recovery. And so today, she joins us to talk about her journey and share her passion around celebrating art and music provided by recovering individuals. So thank you, Betty, for being here today to share your passion with us. Thank you very much. I appreciate this opportunity. So you've been in this uh, business a long time around recovering people, and can you share a little bit about how you got uh, into the field? Well, years and years ago, I well, it was primarily a volunteer position. I was with a, a, a group called Contact Crisis Counseling, and Contact was actually started in the United States by the Methodist Church, and I started as a volunteer and became immediately a recruitment chairman, and so that was very much a passion of mine. We were a 24-hour 
telephone counseling service. And a lot of the focus that I got involved in with adolescents was suicide prevention. And I was going into the schools doing a lot of programming, and I found that I had more credibility to go into the schools when I became a licensed chemical dependency counselor. So that kind of opened the door to more learning on the substance abuse arena. I've realized with my passion on artists and musicians in recovery, it really goes back to many, many years of volunteering on a national program called the Red Ribbon Campaign. And it was a drug and alcohol prevention for school-aged children that was started by the DEA. And in that, one of my, my strongest emotions was around the fact that we would do things and have a hundred kids marching on the Capitol, you know, in a drug prevention rally. And we couldn't get the media to cover it. And I can remember saying, why is it we always can get coverage on the negative, on the problem, but we can't on the kids that are doing the right thing? And I felt that a lot of that transferred into my feelings about artists and musicians in recovery. If you look at a triangle and put substance abuse on one bottom part and you put the mental health, depression, anxiety, panic attacks on the other bottom part, what's at the top of that? And that is suicide. And that's the piece that we keep hearing about is the suicide statistics for artists and musicians. And I realized we weren't doing anything about the positive end of it. We were not celebrating. And you're right, when a young man or young woman has an opportunity to play their music at midnight, they have to go set up in a bar at 5 o'clock in the evening with all these substances around them in order to perform, where your average I hate to say your average, but your average alcoholic can just choose to say, I won't go in a bar. I won't go in a restaurant that serves alcohol. But your musicians don't have that opportunity. So all of these pieces start clicking for me um, on the fact that this is a population that has issues in their real world, their real lives, that present problems for them. And I think we need to show our strength, our respect, our our nurturing to support their recovery. So when you were working at the Meadows, did this type of thing come up? I mean, did you serve a lot of adolescents or um, people no. that were... No, the Meadows, the Meadows is strictly an adult facility, so okay. I wasn't involved in it. I have said in that period, more, most importantly, it was all the incredible people that I met who were doing incredible work in their own, in their own fields. So this was an area that called to your heart? Yes. This- Yes. To, cel- to celebrate those so. who chose to continue with their creative passions around art and music um, and to, yes. to um, support them in that effort. Yes, yes. I have felt for a lot of years now that this, this was something I was supposed to do. 
I feel strongly about it. I feel strongly that there is a reason for this. And the more I've worked in it and the more I've been around it, the more I see the strength in what we do and the supportive factors that are there in our community to support the positive. So is this something that you've been in by yourself? Have you had family connections or friends or other people uh, evolving this idea with you? Kind of all of the above. I started talking about it uh, probably a year before I talked to anyone else, but my family knew about it. Um, and in fact, at one point, I remember a year or so ago, one of my sons said, Mom, just do it. <laughs> because I, I had, it had been so, so much a part of my thought process. And um, what I actually did, I got four people together, and I said, I need to talk with you about something I'm going to do. And I said, here's the name, here's the logo, here's the location. I've already reserved the space at Unity. And I named all this stuff out, and they they pretty much looked at me like I was crazy. And then I said, there are certain things I think I do well that nobody in their right mind usually wants to do, but there are things I don't do at all. I don't do budgets. I've always had a zero budget. Betty, that sounds good. Now go figure out how to do it. I don't do goals, objectives, and mission statements, and I don't do social media. And each of you have strengths in the things I don't do, and I want your help. So you had this idea. What, what yes. um, in a synopsis kind of form, can you share what the idea is with our audience so that they kind of understand where you're headed? Uh, the idea was an event that literally we kept using the word celebrate all the way through and when people would say oh but you want to do you want to raise money to do i don't know whatever and i'd say no this is to celebrate this is to celebrate the artists and musicians in recovery and that was what we started talking about and literally it had nobody could find it had been done anywhere because we were focusing on the other end. We weren't focusing on what the problem was. We were focusing on the strength in recovery. And so this is really exactly about resilience, and it's about the survivors, and it's about those that are working it and making a go of it. Yes, yes. And for me, with that background I mentioned I had in prevention, I have four adult children. And when my children were growing up, we the idea of sports figures were the role models. These were role models for our children. And I think artists and musicians have that same capability to be role models for the generations coming up when we show that they can they can conquer their demons, so to speak that they can be in recovery and the strength of their recovery in in their creativity. So in this event, did you have any difficulty finding musicians in recovery to participate? None at all. We never publicized that we were looking for musicians. We had musicians coming out of the woodwork. 
we publicized through our flyers and through our social media that we were open for sponsors and we were open for artists. And I pretty much had to cut the art piece off towards the end because I thought we were running out of space. Well, that's a good problem May to I have. kind of walk you through some of the things that we had? All right. In the front part of Unity Dallas, where there is a beautiful room in the front, we had the spoken word. This we added on because we had so many people that called and said, I have a book on poetry. I have this. May I do something? We had a center part called Arts Alley. Arts Alley was originally designed for the other arts. We had people that made jewelry. We had a lady that did painted rocks. We had a lady that made crosses. She made crosses for a recovery cross, a wedding cross, and a memory cross, primarily. So we had different people that had their art ability in a different area. The Fellowship Hall at Unity holds 200. We had, I believe at last count, it was either 23, 25 artists that brought anywhere from one to three pieces of art. We had a professional curator that set the display up. But in this art room, we had two pieces that I think speak highly of the power of, of art in, in therapy. And that was the Stewpot, which is a homeless shelter in downtown Dallas, has an art program. I had three artists from the Stewpot program exhibiting their art at Signature. I also had a display from the Betty Ford Children's Program that was art by the children where they teach your mom and dad's addiction is not your fault, and they use art therapy. So we had those two pieces in the room with all the other art from the therapist. The music showcase was amazing. We had musicians. We we finally had to turn away and say, call us next year, just because of time. We could not get everybody in. In that process, we had planned to show on the drop-down screens what we call signature stories. And these were 30-minute type uh, videos that artists and musicians made about their recovery, we found that we couldn't really do that because we had too much live music going on. So we used those in the social media part, and we will probably do more with those next year. One of the most important things, if, if you want me, may I just keep talking? Sure, sure, go ahead. <laughs> One of the most important things that was done in that arena of the music showcase, I learned that I had one one goal, and it took me a long time to get to this, but my goal was that everyone that attended learn one thing, 
And just as I said in the beginning, have you ever thought about that artists and musicians have these other issues in their lives that are are problems for them in their recovery? If they didn't learn anything but that, I was pleased. If they had never thought of it that way. But we had six people that were known as spotlight speakers. One at a time, they appeared on stage with a spotlight. I had two people from the city. I had one person from a a prevention agency. And I had three people from separate foundations in the Dallas area. Each of them gave some statistics, and they talked about their personal passion for what they were doing. Those were six different people with opportunities for everyone there to learn one thing. The finale was important, huge, that really was a musical of the journey that people take in this from beginning to their recovery. So when you had all of these artists that are in recovery coming together and all of the um, musicians as well, did you have any kind of a storyline or theme or did they share any piece of their story along with their uh, art or music? Yes, yes, they did. They they did with the artists. Musicians would, no, I'm sorry, with the musicians a little bit about their own journey. And as I said, what where we ran into the the thing that, as you know, with any kind of show with time frame in keeping things short enough, because as we talk about these, uh, the passion comes out, the, the, the love of what they're doing comes out, and, and we were having to keep things pretty short. How many musicians participated? Uh, 10, 12, uh, the program, we opened the door, the, the event started at 6.30, we opened the door to the showcase at 7, so we had two, two hours there that we were really trying to get everything in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty short amount of time, having been in a it, number of it was short. recovery meetings, I know that we can fill it with just, you know, fill the time with just two people. Right, and, uh, I I would like to add that per Unity's count, we had over 450 people. Now, were these people just um, people off the street? Were they people that friends and family? How did that come about? Whoever we talked to in the beginning, we started getting this scheduled. They came from all all different areas. They really did. It was it was amazing. Uh, we we talked about in the very beginning, did we want to bring in a band? We had someone said, I can bring you a band in from L.A. And somebody else said, I can get you a band from Nashville. And when we thought about it, we said, if we do that, then that means our whole event is focused on that band. And we didn't want to focus on that band. We wanted to focus on the strength of recovery in our community, in our area. We have an incredible music field in Dallas, Texas. And we wanted to say, hey, look, these are our people. They're from here. And they're in recovery. And so... 
that's what we wanted to focus on. And I have literally had people call and say, Betty, are you interested in doing this in another city? And it just, you know, took me back. Um, but these these people are here. They are our strength, and they are our prevention. Well, some of the, as you know, some of the most resilient people um, carry carry such a message mm-hmm. that when somebody else hears that, they think, well, maybe I could do that too. That's you know, exactly it, it provides right. the encouragement that, that we need to keep going sometimes. That's right. That's right. I told a young man who um, it was in is in the college program that's at Texas Tech University, and I actually knew the people that started that college program years ago, and now it's been replicated in colleges all over the country. And I said to him, you have no idea who may come to this event from one of the sober living homes that were invited to bring their residents as our guests who may come that will say, wow, I didn't know there was a school that would help me stay in recovery and go back to school. That may be the one person that you need to be telling your story for. Mm-hmm. And I'm always one that believes in the one person. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how it, that how it happened, one person at a time. One that's person right. passing the message to the next. That's right. That's right. So talk about your audience a little bit. You alluded to people from the recovery houses uh, yes. that were invited. Yes. We were able, because of the sponsorships, the sponsorships and the in-kind sponsorships that were just truly amazing for a first-time event and not really sure what it is that I kept saying I wanted to do, you know, we just had amazing sponsors. And because of the sponsors, we were able to do a free event. And so I called the sober living homes in the area and said, bring an appropriate level of your residents as our guest. And we did. We had them bring. We had another one, one of those that is a sober living and has an IOP, intensive outpatient program also, that required everyone in her program to come because she knew they would learn. She knew they would get the support that they needed in their own personal recovery. So all of these people were not musicians that attended. I mean, we don't have any idea, right? No. No, we had I, I had professionals that I've known for years <clears throat> that were there. Uh, it, it, it was it was from everywhere, from everywhere, and people that I hadn't seen in years. And I'm thinking, where did you learn about this? And that truly is the strength of social media: is the the words you can get out. We had one person that I had brought in because of her marketing experience, but with the things she was able to keep on social media, we had the name out. Um, The name was important. Uh, I was told there was in Austin, Texas, there was a conference two weeks before, and somebody came back and said, well, signature was the buzzword all over the conference. And that was just because we had gotten out so much information. We had a website out that did a countdown, and I, I, that is not my thing, obviously. <laughs> um, but 
you know, we we were able to get the word out in a lot of different ways than we couldn't have years before. So that sounds like it was wildly successful. It was. It was absolutely incredible. I, I, I just, I can't even tell you the, the energy. When I had that first meeting, one of my friends said, Betty, when you drive away from this event, how do you want to feel? And I remember saying, like we had just had the biggest celebration in town for artists and musicians in recovery. And that was exactly how I felt. There is one picture that I will always cherish. At the very end, when the lights came on in the showcase, I stood up. I had yellow roses in my hand that they had presented to me. I shot that left hand straight up in the air and stood up, and I remember distinctly, I probably screamed, we did it because that's how I felt we had offered we had offered a celebration for this population but we had done a lot more there was a lot more that was done than I ever ever envisioned by this little home event so were there um, like families there and small children and um, yes. as well yes. as adults All and people in recovery? Yes, and I had people that brought their teenagers. Uh, as I said, I had professionals there. I had I had one man that came up and said, I am a musician. I didn't know anything about this till this night. How can I get involved for next year? So you're getting some volunteers out of it. Yes, already. Yeah, it's already. it's really a, kind of a, a tough idea in this day and age when we think about doing something and everybody's got a what's in it for me kind of kind of mindset. You know, can do we get funding out of it? Do we get publicity out of it? What do we get out of this? Um, and you those know, and, were some of the things that we kept being asked over and over and over, and we stood our ground. This is to celebrate. That was the word we kept over and over and over. And you're right. People don't understand what that's about. What are we getting out of it? You're getting, you're showing your support for this, this amazing, talented, creative population. Show them the support. We're here. We can help. And that's what we wanted to do. Well, it sounds like that happened in a very big way. So before uh, we go to break, can you just very kind of succinctly summarize how many people did it take to pull this off? <laughs> well, as I said, we started with five of us. <laughs> I brought I, in people because, uh, like like inviting the sober living homes, mm-hmm. uh, the the, there were two main people that pulled together in the in the art in the music part, but many 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 people involved. I mean, when you think about a music arena like that, you've got special lighting, you've got special sounds, you've got everything that has to be set, and those are the people that spent hours putting that together. Well. 
thank you for that. And when we come back from break, we'll resume our conversation and we'll open the call lines for anybody that wants to call in and may have questions for you. Okay, that's fine. Thank you. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate Today. Have you ever noticed that when you cheat or lie or don't support a friend and then realize what you've done, an inner alarm goes off? It's a kind of moral wake-up call. You know you've done wrong and you don't feel good about it or about yourself. By experiencing the emotions and accepting the consequences of what we've done, we can begin to accept and change ourselves. When you know you've done wrong, admit the truth, even if it's only to yourself and one other person, perhaps a counselor or minister. Then, if there's a way to make amends, to set the situation right, do so and clear the air. Finally, renew your commitment to live in your own integrity. When you do, you'll benefit with good health, good relationships, and self-esteem. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment. Unity founder Charles Fillmore is quoted as saying, Here is a mental treatment guaranteed to cure every ill. Sit for half an hour every night and mentally forgive everyone against whom you have any ill will. The act of forgiveness is powerful medicine. Is there someone in your life that you can work on forgiving? Try this exercise tonight. To forgive is to set yourself free. Find out more about Unity at unity.org. Join Deborah Moffat for fascinating interviews and lively conversation on Divinely Inspired Living. Every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central, Deborah explores ideas that encourage self-inquiry and spiritual exploration. Each week, Deborah talks with best-selling authors and top experts who share their wisdom on a wide variety of subjects like creativity, intuition, spirituality, business, and health. Listen live or get the show later as an on-demand podcast. Tune in every Tuesday here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you've been on a spiritual path for a long time, what can you read that's new and exciting? Try Unity Magazine. It's designed for the seasoned spiritual student with in-depth articles and interviews about spiritual practices and philosophies. Our columnists share their own faith journeys and cover healing, science, and psychology with even a little scripture thrown in. You'll read some classic authors and some new ones. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice. 
Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're here today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, your host, and I'm here with Betty Dickin, founder of Signature. Signature is an event to celebrate the people who have utilized their passions and skills as artists and musicians to further their recovery from addiction and other related mental health issues. The Signature event, which was held just recently, inspires professionals and peers to embrace music and art as an effective medium for successful recovery. The creative arts represent a powerful solution for personal fulfillment as well as cultural inspiration. And Betty, a question that I have around that is, isn't it also an important component in recovery in terms of um, dealing with trauma? And so this is an opportunity for people really to kind of do that own own therapy on their own with the art. I mean, to, to do their expressive piece. Okay. So I forgot to mention that this is the time where if somebody wants to call in with questions or comments, they can do so. So the number, if you want to do that, is 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. So, Betty, you had this long career in the, in the recovery field, and as soon as you retired, you start this other organization. That's right, we didn't. Why don't you share that with us? They sign it. And that's key to me. That's key. That's a putting your name on it. It's this is important to me. This is the signature. And the the actual funny thing to me about the name, um, one of my sons is an artist, and he actually did my logo. And when he did, I told you, was, which was exactly what I had asked for. It's the treble clef that is made into an artist's pen from the straight point, And then the rest of the word signature. And he said, Mom, you have an unusual handwriting. Will you write that out? And so if you ever see the logo for signature, it actually is my handwriting. And considering that the passion I have around the subject and around this, it's pretty amazing that he was able to use my handwriting in the logo. So you have a website, is that correct? Yes, it's www.artsrecovery.org, A-R-T-S-R-E-C-O-V-E-R-Y.org. Okay, thank you. I'm sure that we will have some listeners that want to check it out. I am in the process of starting a nonprofit, and Signature will be a part of that. So, what's your vision for your nonprofit? Right now, Signature. Right now, Signature. I have. I would like to get involved, helping, uh, doing more myself personally to help the foundations that are here, and do that, combining the nonprofits um, because I think that working together is important and we have we have three strong foundations here that I would like to be involved in 
Okay, so signature will be your premier headliner, if you will, for the nonprofit, and then yeah. you will probably be building from that. Yes. So I where do you go from here? Uh, doing the nonprofit and putting together the board for the nonprofit. I've already started on that piece of it and heading in for next year. We are already booked at Unity Dallas, by the way. <laughs> I've already got it reserved. Uh, and it will be June the 14th, 2019. All right, June the 14th, 2019. And how That's- large a venue is that? How many attendees can you hold? Well, what we're going to do, because the I don't know if you've ever been to Unity, but uh, I was real adamant about staying at Unity. I don't didn't want to move out of there. And what we have decided to do though is we are moving the artists and musicians and the people working, the volunteers, into another parking lot to free up the space because I was having people come in as big as the place is saying they had trouble finding parking. So we've already tackled one of our first issues that was one of those good problems to have because, as I said, the church count was that we had over 450 people there. So the logistics and the legal infrastructure and those kind of things sound like they're going to be on your plate for getting lined out for the next year. Right, right. So we've already started into into figuring out how to do that and very comfortable with what we've come up with. Well, that sounds great. So what other kinds of ideas are you entertaining, if you don't mind sharing? Uh, really can't do that right now. I, I kind of said I had something in my back pocket for adolescents and young adults, but we've actually just thought about that and realized that for this first year especially, I want the focus to be on Signature. Okay, so it's going to stay a celebratory event. Yes. And and, and putting all of that together. Right. Just doing the nonprofit itself, of course, is a big... I'm the full-time caregiver for my husband. And so when I add on the the part of the doing the uh, nonprofit, that in itself is a, a big chunk to take on. Oh, it absolutely is. It can it can take a lot of time because while you did not charge for this event and it was well supported with your in-kind and other um, sponsors, it still costs money to run an organization yes. and, and, yes. and to have staff and, you know, to do all the things to, to make the mission possible. It becomes a business. And I'm really – I've worked in nonprofits – off and on for years, and I am pretty adamant about keeping the heart. The heart starts the program, but when it becomes a business and the heart goes out, then you have problems, and I never want that to happen. I never want the passion. The four people that joined me in this took on their role with an unbelievable passion for what they could do their role, what was their job, how could they make everything bigger and better. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to keep there. Mm -hmm. 
So if our discussion today has ignited anybody's interest um, in doing something similar in their own community, what would you share with them? What have you learned along the way? Know your community, number one. That's and I mean, know know your resources. Know the people who have passion for that area, and go to them and and talk about what you can do. It's it's just like I said, we didn't want to bring in a band this time. You know, down the road maybe so, but right now we want to celebrate our musicians. The musicians that are from around here and what they do, they're our role models. So what about um, an outline or a plan or you you said you didn't do some of those parts. You did the figure it out (laughs) and make it happen. (laughs) My my thing is doing the event and working backwards. That's the piece I say I've always made people crazy with, but I've always come up with what I wanted to do and then I backtrack and figure out how to get it done. Um, But I, I am more than happy if someone calls me and says, you know, Betty, I live in wherever and I'd really like to know how to put this together. This is a possibility in my head that perhaps we could write this out. Perhaps we could mentor other people in other cities to have a signature. I don't know. I don't know where this could go. I have said since, Lonnie, since the very beginning, and it is a recovery expression that this is a God thing. I have said that all along. I have felt I needed to do it. I had felt I was supposed to do it, but it's a God thing. All I did was get to facilitate it because it would never have happened otherwise. Mm-hmm. And if it's supposed to happen somewhere else, I think I, I've, I've planted the seed. And if someone feels that passion, then let's figure out how to do it. Well, you know, as a person in recovery myself, one of the things that has been a challenge and and can be a challenge for people early in recovery is finding fun things to do where they're not challenged with the same um, problems that you mentioned earlier about uh, musicians and and artists and the venues where alcohol is served and stuff, you know, and and holidays are a major source of that. Um, You know, I'm thinking, well, wouldn't this be a great New Year's Eve bash someplace? You know, for people in recovery, Um, you know, it just uh, I think the possibilities are endless. Well, and when you mention that, my husband and I were involved in a very small group of, I think, seven people that actually started 12-step ministry, which is now a nonprofit in Dallas, Texas. And one of our, our times was exactly what you said about what goes on on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. And I know here there wasn't a, bit, a big event for New Year's for people in recovery. So mm-hmm. there's there's ways to do it. There's ways to help with those times. There was a good friend of mine working on a conference a few years ago, and the purpose of the conference was to say, what are all the fun things you can do now that you're clean and sober? Mm-hmm. There's an emphasis on this among people that are in recovery and how how they can share that with each other and where they can find strength 
in that. Uh, my husband was director of 12-step ministry for years. And I know when it was people wanting to lock the building on holidays, he'd say, no, 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 no. That's when people in recovery need their groups. And so he would go down to make sure the building was open. Because mm-hmm. just like you say, there are those trigger times. There are trigger times for people in recovery. And the more we could do around this issue to help somewhere in somebody's own community, how do you see this working? Maybe that would be something around New Year's, around a holiday. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, think about it's... And look at your calendar. Our date for 2019 is actually the Friday of Father's Day weekend. I've worked in this field long enough to know the trauma involved for many, 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 many people around their family of origin. Mm -hmm. And so this is an opportunity to step away from that, to celebrate it, to how do you see that connection? I see the connection. It, It didn't come start out that way, but for me, because that's kind of how I think, I see the connection now. It really started out because March, April, and May uh, events, are, are it's just insane in this area. We competed with four major events that were associated with the recovery community when we did our May 4th date. And so we have moved the event to June because of the time frame. And, and mm-hmm. there's not as much going on. Mm-hmm. But it is also Father's Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a whole nother conversation getting into all yeah. the trauma triggers <laughs> around holidays like that. That's right. That's right. But think about if somebody wants to do something in their area, maybe that's perfect timing to think about. Mm-hmm. How can we be supportive? What can we do? in our community. Well, another really, for me, appealing uh, aspect to all of this is it's family-friendly because, uh, as we know, it seems like the addiction age is getting younger and younger when people enter into recovery with the things that are out there these days. And so being able to bring young people and, and family members and even smaller kids to build an awareness of this that there's another path, there's another way, there's, you know, it's worth celebrating, it's worth staying on the path, I think would be huge. And look at the people that are supporting us. I think that's key for people in in recovery, uh, that, that, you know what, these people are supporting my recovery. My recovery is important to them. It's that other end. It's that positive end. And I think that's where we need to spend a lot more time focusing. So are you still working with social media in between the events? I mean, how are you keeping this alive for the next year? Well, what I'm doing is waiting until past the date right now because I do think it can be confusing for people that just look at June and say, are they doing this again right now? Uh So we're pulling back. What we're doing is – it's it's the old admit, review, redo around events. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a meeting on Thursday with my four key people. 
and I have asked of them that they write down three things that we did incredibly well. Those mind-boggling, this is incredible things that we know we did. And I have asked them to write down three things that we see we can help change, magnify, not that they were wrong, I'm totally opposed to that image, but that we can make better. How can we do this a little better? And like like the parking, that in Mm -hmm. itself is a giant step. What can we do to free that lot up more? So that's how we're going in right now. And then we will start after, probably after June, into the very 1st of July, we will do a mass huge save the date because that's that's going to be key for people looking ahead that we get that date out there as soon as possible and so you'll do that by and was there a, a sign up list so individual mailings or or back through the same venues that you invited people when we had sign in in quote registration we had people sign in with their email addresses so all of those will be added on. All of them we've collected through the times we were just magnifying my my email list, mm-hmm. and all of that will go out uh, before signature. This time I did snail mail <laughs> notices to save the date, mm-hmm. and this time we will really do it uh, in a bigger fashion because we've touched so many more people. Well, sure, and I'm sure that the word will spread. Yes, but it's, it needs to be talked about. This this is an important date that we need because, as I said, when I started gathering dates almost as soon as Signature was over, I started, okay, what's going on? When is this? When is this? When is this? And looking at the dates, we realized the impact of too much stuff, and so that was why we decided to make this leap of faith into June, which is traditionally not a conference month. Mm-hmm. And we are going to do that, but we've got to do it where people are starting right now to put that date on their calendar for next summer. So there isn't any of this, gee, I didn't know, and I scheduled my summer vacation. We want that so in their minds that they know this is going to happen, and it's going to be bigger and better than last year. And it so, go ahead. No, I just just reiterate that it will be bigger and better. I'm certain of that. So, if somebody listens to this either live today or as a podcast, and they are interested in participating in any way, how can they get a hold of you? They can get a hold of me through the website, thearchrecovery.org. They can also call my cell phone, or they can email me. And that information is on your website? Yes, or I can give it right now if that's appropriate. If that's if that's okay with you, sure. Yes, yes. My email address is B E. E as in eagle, E Dickin, D-I-C-K-E-N, and there's no S on Dickin. It's B-E Dickin at 
gmail.com. Okay, great. And what if there's an artist or a musician that wants to participate? Um, I, do they just contact you directly or yes. is there yeah. some kind I'll of auditioning or you mentioned a curator for the art? We did more with auditioning for the Dallas area just to kind of see what we were getting into and, you know, lining it up. We did that. Uh, the bigger we get, we would probably ask people to send us a CD or something to hear. Okay. Okay. And for the art, uh, we had a, a reg- art registration form because one of the, I always say one, but one of the most exciting things that we were able to do, our program was actually a gift to all of our attendees. And we have all the contact information for every artist and every musician in this book. So it's a huge marketing piece for the participants in the event. So that's what they got out of it. Later, I I love this artwork. How do I get in touch with this person? Well, it's right there in your in your program. Mm And so that was the major piece of um, benefit, I guess, that the yes. artists and musicians got is the publicity. Right. Right. You know, you mentioned at the beginning that you would consider this event a success if everybody learned one thing. What did you learn? What did I learn? I learned that we in in this world of today with all we hear about conflict and diversity and on and on and on that we are standing there speaking the universal language the universal language of art and music and so the steps that we made here why can't we do these everywhere why can't we celebrate and why can't we celebrate with the universal language of art and music? That was key for me in all the reasons we need to move forward with this. That is a wonderful thought. I'm just reflecting about all the places that I considered music non-essential, if you will. But it's really a core piece, the art and the music, a core piece of expressing our creativity is, you know, our co-creativity with God, if you will. Um, yes, yes, and to, exactly. to have, have a venue for that. I've been writing thank you notes to my, well, sponsors and, and, and the, the closing sentence in my thank you note on every one of them, has been when you hear a song or see a work of art, think of your role in celebrating artists and musicians in recovery. And that's the connecting piece for me in hoping that we've learned something. We've learned something very, very special, and we can make a difference. And we can make a difference in our world with a universal language. And it's learning how to put that to use 
in the current circumstances in which we live. That's right. That's right. So, and I'm thinking of all the artists that we lost too young. Yes. 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 And to be able to reduce that. to, To be able to reduce that, to be able to give strength to the recovery and to say, we're here. We support you. We value you. And that's important. We all need to feel value. I think that's a part of God's plan for us. Well, it absolutely is a human need to be seen, to be heard, to be valued. And so thank you, Betty, today for being with us. And thank you, listeners and callers. You know, this is a very important thing, and we appreciate your participation. And join us next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify. Spotify.